And we've used as our base scripture Ephesians chapter 4, where from verse 11 down to verse 16 is probably the, the constitution, if you will, of the body of Christ. It is, it is to the church of Jesus Christ, I think, what the preamble of the constitution of the United States of America is to our country. And see if you don't agree, because it just contains all of the vision and the purpose for what the church of Jesus is supposed to be. And sadly, when you hear it um, and you think about what church has become, you also realize that, that we have slipped away from what God's intention for the body of Christ. And my hope is that through these messages, we will take our gathering and build it back into the body of Christ and not just be churchgoers. All right, so let's, let's take a look at this first. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. <clears throat> and he, God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints, God's people, for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Here's what I want to focus in on this morning. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. But rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up, in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And the the basic premise for these messages is that being one with Jesus means being one with the body of Christ. That you can't very well really experience what it means to be one with Jesus and yet be completely unaffiliated, disassociated with the body of Christ. You need to be a part of a church somewhere that is truly the body of Christ where you can be part of his body growing and becoming all that God's called you to be in community with other people walking in faith. That was God's will from the beginning. And to consider this, we might look at the entire New Testament and, and, and think about it that outside the Gospels, you have the epistles in the book of Revelation. All of the epistles <clears throat> were written either to churches or to pastors of churches. You don't find any epistles that say, and to the Christians out there, whoever they may be, out in TV land. Um, all of the epistles begin with, and unto the church of Corinth, to the church of the Philippians, to the church of Galatia. So these, these, these scriptures that we stand upon, these promises that we, we rely upon, were written to us as we are part of a group of believers who are functioning and committed together. And that's how we need to see it. Even in the book of Revelation, where the message to the seven churches of Asia, um, when God gave the revelation to John, he wrote to the seven churches of Asia. He said to the angel of the church of Smyrna, and to, meaning to the minister, to the overseer. So the whole New Testament is written to the body of Christ, not just individual believers. And by extension, it's written to individual believers, assuming they are 
functioning as parts of the body of Christ. So it is self-evident that God addresses Christians as members of His body through which He functions in the world. And that's what you have to see is that God's wanting to function in the world. He's wanting to reveal Himself. Jesus is the revelation of God. He's wanting to operate in the world from generation to generation. And He does it through the church, through the body of Christ. That's where He has said, I will manifest Myself. And that's why the Bible says that we are the body and He is the the head of the body. Um, However, society has reduced functioning in the body of Christ to church going. Would you not agree? That, that, uh, that actually functioning as a, as a member, a part in the body of Christ has been replaced with just simply going to church. And that's the way it is for, for most people. That's the way it is for many Christians. But in the scriptures that I read in Ephesians 4, it clearly shows that God has designed the church to be, and don't laugh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a classic preacherism. And we love to use, to use this rolling rhetoric, these preacherisms. But this one really works because it's going to stick with you. You're going to get this stuck in your head, and when you do, you'll always think of this, hopefully, after I share this message, God has designed the church to be His facility of stability. I know, it's a little schmaltzy, isn't it? But think about it. By the time I'm done with this message, you are going to sit there and go, yep, that's what the church is supposed to be, God's facility of stability. A facility is is a property, a house, a building that serves a function, hence the word facility, because it's within that facility that you facilitate things. And the body of Christ is meant to be God's facility for stability. God's will, if you think about it, for us to get saved and come to Him is to come out of an unstable, chaotic, restless world and find rest and stability in Jesus Christ. Being born again, if it does anything for us, it stabilizes us. Stability. Not being tossed to and fro like we had been by life. So let me, um, I don't want to start on a negative foot, but let me take a few minutes and talk about what I've termed the life-wasting world. Everyone say life-wasting life-wasting world, the life-wasting world, the world as we describe it, which doesn't mean the planet Earth. It means the present condition of the fallen world under fallen mankind, fallen Adam's jurisdiction, the world. That is what we mean when we talk about the world. The life-wasting world, the world is a life-wasting experience. If you think about it, and I know you're going to think I'm being awfully negative this morning because many of us enjoy a lot of things in the world. We get excitement, but I thought about it, and every excitement always ends in by just running out. It never really delivers you anywhere. It never has any full, true fulfillment or completing quality to it. 
you just go from one vine to the next, from one rising and then sinking experience to the next. It is a life-wasting world. And let me say to you that it's not God's will that your precious life's energies be drained by the world's restless churning. The body of Christ was intended to be a place where you are no longer children tossed by the waves and carried by the wind. Think about it. In that scripture, tossed by the waves, carried by the wind, God is characterizing life as endless motion and instability. Remember Peter walking on the waves and seeing the wind? The two things that caused him to take his eyes off Jesus so that he began to be swallowed up was what? The waves, the instability of the waves, and the constant motion of the wind. That is what the world is all about. It, from generation to generation, the waves seem to be the same, but they come around. Every 20 years, here comes, and every generation thinks they've invented a new thing. And it's just the old wave that's become new again. But the world life is nothing more than just constant destabilization and wind that, that, uh, that just shifts directions but never stops Blowing, And the body of Christ was intended to be a place where that tossing and being carried ends and you become stable. Somebody say praise the Lord. In life, in the world, people are constantly in an endless search to either fix or build or heal or to complete themselves. Life just seems to be an endless search of trying to grab hold of meaning and fulfillment. Uh, But it never seems to quite bring us there, does it? Because the world has no answer for life, it's driven by restlessness. Uh, Again, not meaning to be completely negative, because I really, I'm enjoying my time here on earth and and in this world. I, I, you know, I, I enjoy a lot about it. But the reality is when I, when I honestly look at 6,000 years of human history and I think about our existence, I have to be completely honest and say the world does not have an answer, ultimately does not have an answer, which causes lives to be simply a continuation of restlessness. People's lives could be described by just endless restlessness. What happens is a lot of times when we think we're getting close to something good, we get a little excited and we think, oh, a payoff. We got into a new marriage. I'm, I'm excited. If you're, a, if you're a celebrity, you know, um, if you're excited for about six months or so. And it all starts to go and fall apart until you get into your next movie role, and then you fall in love with the next actress. So the, the point is that because the world has no answer for life and it's driven by restlessness, the life is, is endless waves and winds without resolution or completion. You know, even the great constitution of the United States of America defines life and, the per, uh, and happiness as a pursuit. What the constitution offers us is not happiness, but the pursuit, the right to pursue happiness. Why? Because happiness is elusive. The pursuit of life and liberty and happiness is the best 
that the highest document of man and the greatest minds coming together could offer us because they were honest and they knew there is no actually getting and coming to happiness. All happiness is temporary. Peace, freedom is temporary. We've had freedom in our country for, you know, we've had periods of freedom, but it's, it's, we've had many periods where we're losing it. We're entering, we have begun to enter another period where our freedoms are eroding and falling away and, and we're teetering. Man has never shown that he can actually receive happiness and keep it in the world because it is elusive and it cannot be done because the world is lost in sin and broken in sin. So it's just an endless chasing of the dog's tail. Can you say amen? You know, every new thought, people think, I'm, I'm searching for a new meaning, a new thought. And that's, what, that's why um, philosophers and poets be, can become rich, because there's such an appetite in society for new thoughts, a new way of saying things, a new way of thinking about things. Um, a new book comes out, but new ideas only lead to more searching. And 2 Timothy 3.7 describes the world as ever-learning, never able to come or arrive. There's no arriving. There's no coming. There's no finally arriving at a place of truth. So in the world, there's no arrival. You never get home, if I could say it like that. Um, you, you might, your journey might be better than others, and you might have more high times than others, but you never really arrive at home. And once you've bought that dream house or arrived at that perfect job or married the perfect person or got yourself into that situation that you always wished, if you're there long enough, you realize that your soul is still restless and, and you haven't found what you're looking for. I think one of the most pathetic songs ever written was U2 song but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. If they'd have said that after saying, I found money, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for, I'd go, amen, brother. If Bono had written uh, that after I found the new car, the job or fame or fortune or my beautiful wife that I love so much, I, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for, I would have said absolutely right on. But after he said, I believe in Jesus Christ, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for, I said, that is the most pathetic song that's ever been written. Where do you go after you found Jesus, but you still haven't found what you're looking for? I think maybe he would have. He, he may have corrected that um, um, since then. But uh, what a thought! The fact is that in life you never do arrive until you meet Jesus Christ. Jesus, the author of life, is our home. Is our arrival when we meet Him. Why is it that when we meet Jesus, we're home? Because he's the author of life. We find the one from whom we came. And he brings salvation into our soul. You see, the human soul was designed to contain or to hold the reality of truth. I'm waxing a little bit philosophical, but I want you to think for a moment philosophically with me. The human soul was designed by the great designer, the great engineer, engineered our soul to contain the reality of truth. And any other reality you put in it, the soul is not going to buy it. Your mind may tell you, your appetites may tell you, your, your emotions may tell you, oh, I like this, this goes down, that feels good. I but your soul will never really 
ever bond with the false realities of anything other than the life of Jesus Christ. Because it's designed with a certain shape, and the truth of the Word of God is the only thing that will actually fit in there. So, because of that, all of the world's deceptions and distractions, remember, I read to you, the Apostle Paul said, coming into the body of Christ, we should no longer be tossed and driven by the winds and the waves of doctrines and ideas and concepts. And some people live from one new TV show or one new diet or one new philosopher or one new book or concept after another. They just go from one thing to the other. But all of the world's distractions and deceptions cannot fill the human soul because that soul is designed to hold the reality of the truth of God. You know, so all that the world says, get this education, achieve this, buy that, find the right person. None of those things actually cause you to ever arrive at a place where your soul says, I, I'm home, I'm home. Jesus brought us home. Amen. Okay, so what does all this have to do with building up the body of Christ? Um, let me kind of restate and, and by way of repetition a, a statement I made at the beginning that God never intended Christians to find stability in the world. Now that is worth the price of gold if you will hear it and take it to heart because many of you Christians are still trying to stabilize yourself out in the world without getting tied into the body of Christ. And you can waste your whole life and you're never going to get there. That's why I referred to the world as the life-wasting world. People who are trying to find stability in the world and even Christians who as Christians are trying to find stability, thinking I got saved and now because I'm a Christian, I can kind of, I don't really like church. It, it's too traditional or I don't like... People are this, and they've got a million different reasons why they don't like church. Um, uh, so they think, well, I'll just believe in Jesus, and that's going to make my life go. That's going to make the world work for me. I I'll be okay in the world because I've got Jesus. So if I put Jesus in my life, tuck my Bible under my arm, and go out and live in the world, then I will have a stable life. And that is utter nonsense. That is so wrong and so deceptive. You cannot be stable in the world. I don't care how saved you are, how much of the Bible you know, how full of the Holy Spirit you are. God never intended for Christians to find stability in the world. And I'll tell you, you don't hear that idea expressed or taught from pulpits too much anymore. Instead, you find churches embracing the world and giving people the idea that they can be very stable out in the world. Now, when I talk about being out in the world, I'm talking about being out away from involvement in the body of Christ. Now, you might be stumbling over some of the things that I'm saying this morning because in your mind, when I say body of Christ, you're thinking church as usual. And, and I am going to get to the point this morning where I talk a little bit about the difference between what church is really supposed to be and church as usual. The body of Christ versus churchianity. So at any rate, 
God, and let me, let me take it a step farther and say that God never promised to stabilize the world through us. That was never what he meant when he said, you're the salt of the earth. That Christians can go out and just insert themselves into their life and that society that they're in will become stable for them and they'll be blessed and everything's going to be fine apart from being a functioning member of the body of Christ. The church is God's facility of stability. Not the world, the church, the body of Christ. The only way you can be in the world and not of it is by being in the body of Christ. And the body of Christ in the world provides stability for Christians. When Jesus said, be in the world but be not of the world, he was thinking body of Christ. How can I be in the world without being tossed to and fro by the instability, constantly churning my life up, down, up, down, up, down. How do I do that? God knew when Jesus rises from the dead, He is going to create the body of Christ. And believers will gather in community and share their faith and their lives and their walk together. And that community will become a living embassy from heaven upon the earth. And by being a functioning part of that community, they will find stability in a toxic, dangerous, and unstable, life-ruining, life-wasting world. They will have salvation. Let me use Jesus' words. He could say it a lot better than I did. In John 16, 33, Jesus, out of his lips, said, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So he tells his disciples flat out, don't think that you're going to have peace in the world. You are not going to have peace in the world. In the world you will have what? Tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So what we need to do is find out what did he mean by that phrase? Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. How is him overcoming the world going to bring stability and peace for me? Well, as I said, God never promised that we would stop the waves, the winds, and the tribulations of the world, but that in him we would overcome those instabilities. So the waves are going to come. If the waves and the wind and the tribulations of life have been beating against your house, please don't think something's wrong. You're just, just, just know I'm still on earth. I'm still on earth. I'm still in the world. Jesus hasn't come back yet. This is the, however, you can be stable. You cannot be tossed by those things by being in the body of Christ and functioning in the body of Christ, not just church going. Somebody say amen. amen. So being in Him means being in the body of Christ where truth and maturity work to build you up so that you're not tossed by the forces of life. God has designed the church, as I said, to be the facility of stability. In other words, it's, it's where you can be in the world, but not of it. Within the body of Christ is where God is at work developing you into a fulfilled and stable person. Let me read also out of the book of Ephesians, two chapters before our main chapter that we've been reading out of chapter 4. 
Back in chapter 2, let me read a few verses that, that talk about how God sees the church or the body of Christ and what it's supposed to be. Listen carefully to these words. So then you, you who are born again, you are no longer foreigners and non-citizens in the kingdom of God, but you are fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household because you have been built, everyone say built, on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being joined. Everyone say being joined. The whole building being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And in whom, in him, also you are being built together into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. And uh, that is Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. You should take that home and study that. Just go through it phrase by phrase. Because once you do, you step back and take a look at that and you realize God is saying, when people get born again, I build them together in fellowship and community. Faith Christian Church, ABC Gospel Church, whatever the church may be, On Fire, Universal, House of Faith, whatever people call their churches, I don't care what it is, don't care what denomination is, those things matter absolutely not one iota. What goes on in that body of people? Is it the body, are they practicing being the body of Christ? Do they honor the head and allow him to build their lives together into the body of Christ? Because if they do, the Bible says they become a habitation of God through the Spirit. So how does the Lord Jesus enter this life? Where is God in the world? We look at the world, people say, well, where's God? What I just read you tells you where God is. He said, you are being built together and growing into a holy temple for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Where is God? If He's anywhere, to the, to the degree that His people are being built together into the body of Christ is the degree to which He is in the world. That is the degree to which he is manifest in our society. So when people say, well, what is God doing? We see the devil just operating and people going crazy and nutty things happening. What's God doing? He's doing what his people in that community are doing. Where is God? He's where those people in his community are. So <clears throat> if you sense a little, well, we better get with it, um, implied in that comment that you're getting the right message. Praise the Lord. Stability and growth occurs through us working together in Christ. 1 Corinthians 15 and 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters. Everyone say brothers and sisters. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, plural, collective, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. So who are the Christians who are steadfast? Who are the Christians who are immovable? Who are the Christians who are abounding? Who are the Christians who are steadfast, immovable, always abounding? Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters... 
Be steadfast and movable, always abounding. Those who are the collective brother, notice he's not writing to an individual. He's writing to a collective body. Therefore, body. So if, if Paul were talking to you this morning, and he wanted to say to you, Chris, or, or, or say to you, Pat, or say to you, Kathy, if Jesus wanted to say to you, I want you to be steadfast. I want you to be immovable. I want you to be abounding. He would wait until you get together with your brothers and sisters, and he would say to you with all of us, be steadfast. Be immovable. Be always abounding. Because you can't be steadfast, immovable, and always abounding without being part of the body of Christ. Now, I, I guarantee you I'm going to lose some supporters with that last statement. But I've said it anyway. I'm not going to back down from it. I believe it's scriptural. It's what the heart of this message is all about. Brothers and sisters, be steadfast. If you lack steadfastness, if there's an instability and a lack of, of uh, immovableness in your life, if there's a lack of abounding in the blessings and things of God in your life, then what maybe you ought to be thinking, and I know the first things we do think is, I need to fast more, I need to pray more, I need to read my Bible more, and those things may be true. But what we ought to think first is, do I consider myself one of the brothers? One of the sisters. Do I live a life as one of the brothers and sisters in Christ? Or do I live my life as I'm just me and I go to such and such church this year? I might go to another church this year. They change the music or change the style or the appetite or the flavor or the whatever. The accommodations, I may change. You see, too many Christians today, Jesus Christ and Christianity is all about them as an individual. Now, I do a lot of preaching and teaching about the individual's faith and who we are in Christ. And I, and I know that I'm on the other side of the road right now talking about this aspect. But there are two sides to this coin. And you can't have the one without the other. And so I believe that the modern Christian today who has had a disproportionate focus on their individual significance and individual uh, needs and individual fulfillment needs to be pulled back into the center a little bit and to understand the value and the necessity of being part of the body of Christ. What most individual Christians are looking for, they're not going to find until they get back into fellowship in the body of Christ and begin to move in fellowship with God's people and find their place in the body. Now, this brings me to the part of the message I need to end by taking a few minutes and talking about all the, all the nuttiness and instability that goes on in church. Because if I were you listening to this message, well, I'm going to tell you, I'd be sitting there thinking, what church are you talking about? The facility of stability? I've spent years in churches and I've never found more nutty people, more unstable people, more flaky people than I found in church. It's, it's embarrassing how flaky, goofy, and unstable Christians are in churches. Well, I've been a senior pastor and a church planter nonstop for over 40 years. Uh, 40, 
one years. This is 41. That's a long time to be looking and not seeing. That's a long time to be studying and not really seeing for what it is. So let me tell you, um, I'm not the church fanboy. I'm not the church cheerleader. I'm not up here cheering church because of my job, but because of what the Word says. I'm cheering what the Word says about church, not what we see in the world what the world has done with the idea of church. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, the world and its way of thinking has gotten into the church. And now people are, you know, de- designing the, ch- the new church, the church that's the 21st century church. And, and they're designing the fellowship and the community right out of it. And many churches are just simply giving up on the idea of being the functioning body of Christ. And they're simply giving in to the, the uh, appetite of the moment, which is consumerism. Just appeal to the consumer needs of individuals. All the hurting people, we're the church. If you're hurting, we're for you, man. You come in here. We're going to deal with your hearts. You're going to feel so good. And um, uh, I was watching a commercial on TV and all of a sudden it hit me. It was, a, it was some people and they were sort of whining and carrying on like everybody does today about, I'm invisible. Nobody sees me. People don't. And it was like some kids in downtown Detroit or something like that. I'm invisible. I'm down here in the cracks. I thought, shut the heck up and live. Who cares whether anybody sees you? You're not here to be seen. Forget about it. Live your life. But, you know, that's that carnal reaction. <laughs> but there's something there. There is a, this wrong-headed idea, this appetite, this desire. I've got to be seen. I've got to be heard. You know, all the movie stars get attention. How come I'm not getting attention? And my God, thank God for YouTube, because everybody can go on YouTube and on Facebook now and become, you know, a... a um, uh, a celebrity in their own. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so the point is, what people really need is to find home. Come to Jesus. You know, and then I don't care whether anybody sees me or not. I could be invisible my whole life. My happiness is in Him. The body of Christ should not be a place that panders to people's superficial needs rather we should be meeting the real needs and and in bringing people into stability instead of feeding their instabilities so what uh, that's that's a lot of church jargon what does that really mean what what this really comes down to is the fact that the apostle paul fiercely defended the need and the responsibility of the church to be a facility of stability I admit many churches today are just unstable. And, and shame on their pastors. Many of them are unstable because their pastors either introduce teaching that makes them unstable, makes them fruity and nutty, or when the nuttiness and fruitiness goes on, the pastors won't roll up their sleeves and deal with it for afraid of offending people. 
The enemy, the devil is always trying. The one thing the devil wants to do to any church, doesn't matter whether it's charismatic or fundamentalist, whether it's uh, liturgical or evangelical, really doesn't matter. Whatever the church is, I believe that Satan's one objective is to introduce instability into the body and keep people from becoming stable because that's the testimony. If you were unstable in the world and everyone's unstable in the world and you get saved and all of a sudden there is a, you're, you're standing on the rock. People can see it. You're, there's a stability, a sense of home, peace, rootedness, completeness. The Bible says in Colossians, you are complete in Him. When you get into the body of Christ, people say, what church are you going to? Man. That is the one thing, no matter what kind of church it is, that it, there, there should be preserved and the, and the ministry responsibilities of the pastors of that church, the leaders of that church, is to fight to keep that church stable and to keep instability out of the church. Now, I admit, I am not the sharpest knife in the drawer. I'm not the most eloquent. I'm not the most pastoral pastor. Or I'm not going to win any of those contests. There's absolutely no... Two ways about it. But the one thing I am, I'm like a bloodhound, like a bird dog, man. I'm like a terrier. I'm like a dachshund after that little mole, man, in the ground. When it comes to instability, in the, I get after that like a five-legged mountain lion. I don't tolerate it. Don't put up with it. We're not going to have it. I'd rather have ten people safe and a flock without wolves in and out and instability than have 500 anxious, unstable, flipped out, goofed up, you know, there's every kind of crazy thing going on in the church because then you've got no body. That's not the body of Christ. That's just a social club. Do you understand, do you understand what I'm saying? Number one responsibility of church leaders is to maintain stability. And... All right, I'm not too good at saying this. Let's hear, let's hear how Brother Paul puts it in Ephesians 4, 3 through 6. That same chapter where he talks about the body just a few verses before. Listen to what he says. Maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of us all, who is over all and through us all. And what he means by that is there's only one church, one body of Christ, one faith. If you goof that up, where are you going? It means that Jesus is not presiding over multiple bodies with divergent truths and different competing agendas. There is the body of Christ. And to the extent that you keep truth, real truth, in your church and people are stable and free in that truth. To that extent, Jesus will preside over that church. And, and so that verse explains why there's so many churches claiming to be part of the body of Christ but are so full of instability. Because you've got all these specialty churches. You've got churches that specialize in gold dust. You've got churches that specialize in, you know, we are accurate. We are Bible accurate. You come to us. We will challenge every thought you have. We'll rip it apart, break it down, slice it, dice it. And if there's anything left in your opinions or thoughts, by the time we're done, then welcome to it. Welcome to it. Because we are the truth church. But 
the truth of Jesus Christ cannot be just narrowed down to one aspect. You have to look at the person of Jesus, look at the Gospels, look at how he loved people, and yet never ever deviated from his Father's truth. He is the Word made flesh. That is what, that is the tough job of church leaders, shepherds, pastors. The tough job is to let Jesus be Lord in that church and maintain that stability. Paul fiercely held church leaders to account. So I'm going to say this to myself this morning and all our other church leaders. Hear what Paul says in Galatians 1, 6 and 7. The Galatians got flaky. Paul started the Galatian church and then some teachers came in teaching false doctrine and they started getting pulled off into those doctrines because they were tolerant. And, you know, they wanted to be open to all ideas and, and everything. And so they started getting goofed up. And Paul writes them and he says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we... Paul says, or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Wow! Do you not think that the Apostle Paul saw his number one prime responsibility to the body of Christ was to maintain, fight for, and maintain stability? Instability should not be tolerated in the church. Now that doesn't mean, now hear me, that doesn't mean that you can't have somebody get up and get the microphone and share an idea or something and it'd be kind of silly or immature or something like that. You know, not everybody's polished. This isn't about professionalism. This is, this is about sincerely pursuing and following the truth. So when I talk about stability, we're not talking about everything said in perfect order, just, you know, T's crossed, I's dotted. But in our pursuit of Jesus, error, false teaching are challenged and put out with the trash, not accepted. People are fed the truth and called into unity and into service. We're not watering down the gospel for people. We're not, uh, we're not e making it easy for 21st century uh, millennial thinkers. We are coming into the body of Christ through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because that is the only way that your life is ever going to become stabilized. In the world, tossing, wind-blowing, in Christ, stable, at peace. Out in the world, instability. In Christ, stability. Why stability? Because you found your home. You've arrived. You're completed, completed in Him. Hallelujah. So, Monday night, February the 8th, we're going to launch three house gatherings designed to, to pursue that vision, to grow in Christ. An opportunity for new people to come in right off the street and get saved. See, you don't have to be perfect, you just come in. Receive the one who is perfect. Learn and begin to grow because it's in the community of faith that we grow and our lives begin to become stable. You've seen it. 
Think about yourself. When you were unsaved, you were out in the world, unstable, goofed up stuff going on. You got into the household of faith. If you got into a good, solid church, you didn't become perfect overnight. That wasn't even the goal. But you could see instability begin to drift out of your life. Your, your decisions that would constantly bring you into, into unstable circumstances begin to change, and the way you begin to make decisions changed. And uh, in the multitude of counsel and the wisdom that you were learning in the body of Christ, you learned how to navigate through life with wisdom. You started avoiding the pitfalls. You started seeing stability take on. God started blessing you. God started prospering you. You started doing well. You learned how to integrate and get along with people. It's amazing with the internet today how many people don't know how to get along with other people. We are losing our social skills today. People are hostile, bristle, brisk. They're ready to argue and scrap at a, you know, they don't understand what, more communication and yet less, less, less ability to connect with people. Let's learn that in the body of Christ. It's where you come together. Get out of your comfort zone. Praise the Lord. Start growing in Christ. All right, close your Bible. Let's stand up. I'm done. I'd like us um, to join together and look ahead a couple weeks and pray together for our house gatherings, for our house gathering leaders or for all of us who are going to be going and being a part of this and reaching out to our communities. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we thank you that we are the body of Christ. And Lord, today we want to say that we worship, we cling to you. It is you who makes us beautiful and acceptable. In spite of our imperfections, we have been brought into the body of Christ where you are working out those imperfections in our life. Father, I pray that as our house gatherings form up and open their doors, that you, Holy Spirit, will be in their midst. That the, that the shepherds, the leaders, the servants at these houses, in these homes, will truly be wise and discerning and reach out with your passion, Lord, to others. Lord, I pray that truly, these three homes will be like heaven's fire in those neighborhoods and communities. And that one will touch another and that one will touch another. And Lord, people will come by twos and threes and a half dozen and multiplication will take place as lives are coming out of the unstable world, the life-wasting world, drained and weary and finding rest in Jesus finding rest in the body of Christ. Help us to be that body, to represent you, Lord, in Jesus' precious name. Let's make this profession together. Lift your hands up before the Lord. I am washed in the blood of the Lamb. I am a child in God's family. I am a member of the body of Christ. I stand today with my brothers and sisters, I am one 
in the Lord and with God's people. Lord, thank you for all that you do. Do your work in me. Guide, lead, and put me together with the body of Christ. Help me find my place. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Help us to show forth your stability in the mighty name of Jesus. Bless our house gatherings in Jesus' name. Now may the Lord cause His countenance to shine upon you. May the blessing of His presence here upon the earth be manifest through you. For you are His ambassador. Go forth with joy. Let this week be a week of blessing. You will not be able to turn your attention away from Jesus. He loves you and you love Him. And you will be walking with Him this week. And He will be in your heart drawing you. And you will be receiving from Him. Let Him feed you and walk in the joy of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.